Welcome to Winging It in Motown Radio. Uh, this is Graham. I'm filling in for Jeff and Kyle as the host, so this is we're going to see what we can do with this. Um, post-trade deadline edition, we got uh, JJ, Shant, and Lauren. How are you guys doing out there? Doing pretty good. I'm awesome. Doing fine over here. That's good. I'm also doing awesome. well. Everybody's doing well. Everybody's uh, kind of come down from the uh, excitement that was the trade, trade deadline day. I don't know yet. All those third rounders, I'm just geeked about that. <laughs> Still wrapping my head around everything that happened, but we'll see. Yeah, I slept through it. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren Lauren probably had the best. Yeah, she had the best experience out of everybody. So um, you just wake <clears> up and <throat> all the news at once. You know, you don't even need to wait for trades to break. It's just everything that, ha- that happens at once. Well, um, I think everybody wants to probably hear our ranting and raving about the trade deadline. But uh, before we get to that, the Red Wings actually did play a game. Coming out of the break, uh, they had their five-day bye where they all went off and did whatever hockey players do when they don't have to play games. Uh, They came back and they're actually trekking through Western Canada, started out in Vancouver. And... um, Teams normally coming out of the bye have had some troubles, but uh, Wings pulled off an OT victory. What uh, did you guys think about that game? Um, I'm glad that the Ott trade went down during the game because it was getting boring. And it was getting to start, it was getting to feel like the Red Wings were going to uh, allow the, the Canucks to tie it. And so, uh, like, the odd trade broke probably, like, five minutes before then, and it was like, ah, good, now I don't have to care about that. I'm I'm totally happy. Um, I thought it was a, a pretty decent game that it was good to see the Red Wings come out to uh, a better start, but after that, I mean, they, uh, they really struggled to, uh, to keep it up and then seemed to fade later on. And then... Uh, Justin Applicator finally got up to Snide and scored a damn goal for a change. So uh, two power play goals is, is nothing to complain about, really. So I don't know. I, I liked it. It was also just the Canucks. So cool. One thumb up. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you probably have a lot of teams that don't do well coming out of the bye, but a lot of teams don't get to play the Canucks coming out of the bye. So <laughs> that's probably a good reason or a good explanation. But yeah, I missed most of the game. I caught a little bit of the end. The wings look like crap in the second half of that game, but you know this is the team moving forward. And I think what I'm most excited about from that game is we'll get to see a lot of mixing and matching because I'm hoping that the wings have just recognized that they are not going to be competing for a playoff berth and that they should really optimize uh, their line combos. And we'll really get to see maybe more of these young guys uh, get going. And I thought you saw some of that in this game. Um, you had a, you know, Nick Jensen got a heavy amount of minutes, second most minutes. Sproul played a lot of minutes. Lett played a lot of minutes. So uh, I'm, I'm excited to see how that that moves forward from that game. I was just happy I got to recap a win. <laughs> it was so long. I can't. I honestly couldn't tell you the last time I had a win to to write about. Um, no, but uh, it was. I, I agree. It was. Um, you could kind of feel the uh the Canucks tying goal coming um but then 
yeah, all the art stuff started going down and I was too busy laughing at that to even be mad about the Red Wings blowing a two goal lead. And I was like, you know what? We actually got value for, you know, <laughs> a, not even a face puncher, a, a, a punching bag. <laughs> a face punchy, yeah. <laughs> so, face punchy, yeah, there you go. Um, so that was that was just great. And I also very much enjoyed um, watching Fox Sports Detroit get totally faked out by um, that <laughs> the original <laughs> Yannick Hansen trade that was not actually real. And just, I don't know, it was... That was we incredible. We hear about, you know, watch out for fake accounts and stuff like that. But then you actually see the network do it. And it's just <laughs> like, oh, how, I, I don't know how it happened, but it was it was funny. It was incredible because, like, it, it happened during the first period that fake Oilers account said that uh, Yannick Hansen was traded for some nobody. I don't even remember who it was now. And, yeah, Ken Daniels, like, read that on air they put it on an on-air blurb that it, that the trade happened and then later in the first period they said oh we're still looking to confirm that so they obviously had figured out that it was a dupe and then in the third period ken daniels doubled down again on the unconfirmed trade to to the oilers like it was it's not unconfirmed it was damn fake everybody knew it was <laughs> fake by then and he still he still spun it uh, to his to his credit and to my amusement i i think the account that actually tweeted it out that which um is quite obviously a parody account i think they said like didn't they put a tweet and it said got you on it and it was a picture of the blurb where they had it like underneath the all the trades that had been made, and then you just see that you know Yannick Hansen. I think it was to the it was to the Oilers for whoever. And it, yeah, the tweet said "got you." So it's like very clearly Ken Daniels just needs to get on Twitter. Um, which I mean, I guess if he if he if he's going to get on Twitter, somebody should then tell him that's actually a very horrible idea because Twitter is awful and. <clears throat> but, the no. horrible things people would say to Ken Daniels on Twitter. <laughs> I know, I, I, like Ken Cal is. I, he's one of my favorites uh, to follow. He's, you know, he's very personable, and he's, uh, you know, but nobody really says anything mean to him. I don't think, and if they do, you never see it. But I don't know if that would be the same for Ken Daniels. I feel like he'd probably get a little bit more, uh, some more trolling directed his way. And I don't. There's a part of me that doesn't know how well he would take that. I don't know. That's that's just that, that's a pure guess. I have no inside information on that. He just seems like the the kind of guy that if people trolled him, he would just quietly be like, "Fucking idiots who talking to me." You know who I am, Ken fucking Daniels. And then you know that's that's how he'd be. And I don't know. I don't know if that's true or not. So <clears throat> yeah, I mean the Steve Ott stuff was um, first of all unexpected, and I don't know if anybody else saw it, but Kevin Weeks had said because I mean the big thing before the game with before the Canucks game was why are they playing Vanek? Because he's your, he's your, your one asset that you have left. If he gets hurt, something terrible is going to happen. And I mean, people were going to call for, for Ken Holland and, and Jeff Blaschel to be fired. And Kevin Weeks tweeted that Steve Ott was being held out potentially because he was, might be part of a deal. And I laughed out loud at that tweet, at the idea that, they were holding Steve Ott out because he was going to be traded. And, I mean, a few hours later, it happened. So, I don't know. Kevin Weeks, trade breaker, insider. Got to add him to the list now. But to trade him within the division, for to get a six-round pick for Steve Ott, to, to me, that's a win. 
for Ken Holland. So, um, yeah. so, uh, so the Wings will continue their their road trip. They play Calgary uh, and then into Edmonton, um, but they are going to be doing it slightly new, uh, slightly new look. I guess kind of the old look, but with a new look. Trade deadline is coming gone. Um, just a quick recap: Thomas Yerko to Chicago for a third round pick. Brendan Smith to the Rangers for a second and a third. Steve Ott to Montreal for a sixth. Thomas Vanek to Florida for a, th- a conditional third. And Dylan McElrath? McElrath? McElrath, yeah. McElrathian? Uh, whatever. He's not going to be a Red Wing for long, so who cares what his name is. <laughs> um, <clears throat> overall thoughts on the trade deadline. Um, start with Lauren. Um, it was kind of weird to actually see players like Yurko and Ott get moved because you know how long you know how long had we been saying like oh Yurko has no trade value like you know we've um you know he's been completely misused by his coach and he hasn't you know grabbed any opportunity and you know no one's ever going to want him for like you know people were throwing stuff out like oh I'd be happy with like a conditional seventh or some you know stupid shit like that and we ended up getting a third rounder for him um you know, and it's kind of the same thing with Ott. It was like, oh, what like what team's going to take him? Well, we ended up getting a sixth. And for me, it was I, – I know JJ said this about um, Vanek, about like how we talked ourselves into this perception of our players and like what value they have, and it ended up being not an accurate like representation of what um, other GMs in, um, you know, in the league actually thought of them. Um, and I was definitely sad to see um, pretty much everybody but Ott go. Sorry, Steve Ott fans out there. Just I just I don't feel the same. Um, but overall, I was pretty happy that uh, Ken Holland actually did sell off the pieces that we expected him to. Um, you know, obviously Vanek was was expected to go. I think Smith was was pretty high on the list of like, hey, you know, he he could probably go because it's not. Mike Green's six million dollar contract for another year. It's you know, you know, any take your pick of anyone else, but you know, he actually made moves and he stocked up on draft picks, and you know, I think that's a that's a good step in the right direction um, for this this upcoming off season. Yeah, no, that's uh, I agree. I mean, uh, I think Yurko was probably the biggest surprise of the of the four trades that he made, just because. Um, I I always thought that once players got traded out, Yurko might actually get a shot again, just you know to see what if he could bring anything. But um, you know, get a third rounder out of Chicago for him is um, is not too bad. So, um, Prashant, what do you think overall impressions of Ken Holland's performance the last few days? I think you have to be pleasantly surprised. Uh, I think a lot of us probably expected him to botch the deadline. He was able to sell off four assets. He moved, let's see, four players who all had expiring contracts at the end of the year with Yurko Smith, I think, being restricted, free agents, Vanek um, unrestricted, Odd unrestricted. So moving four expiring contracts and getting all those picks back, I think that already that's great value for you in that perspective. Um, and then the number of picks he was able to pull in overall. So the wings now have four third round picks in this 2017 draft. And while we say that, you know, overall the talent level in the draft isn't that great, that doesn't mean you still can't find 
solid players. And, you know, my thought is you could take those four third round picks and move a couple of them to move yourself potentially into the end of the first round or even in the early part of the second round and really uh, stock up. And I think he was also, you know, we don't know for sure what offers were on the table for guys who didn't move like Riley Shahan, Mike Green and Jimmy Howard. We don't know if there were offers on the table for them, but you know, with Mike Green not moving, I think that's a smart move in the sense that if you didn't have a slam dunk, no-brainer deal on the table where you were getting multiple high-round picks, his value only goes up so long as he holds his current level of play, or even if it drops off a little bit, his value still goes up as he moves into the expiring contract phase next year. So I think he's a smart asset to hang on to, or even flip as early as the, uh, the draft. Same thing, Jimmy Howard, you can leave him unprotected and, you know, you may not get anything for him if he does get taken. Um, But his value also, I think he's got two years left, will continue to be more attractive if he's able to maintain some level of play. He could be an attractive backup, uh, given what you saw with the goaltenders that got moved. And then, you know, Riley Shane and others will get to see what they do in a bigger role and, We'll see. I mean, he really cleared up a lot of space for the young guys to turn it up, turn it loose. So I think you have to be happy with uh, the number of players he was able to move out now. Potentially, the number of players he can move at the deadline or at the uh, draft, and then the number of picks he was able to acquire. Yeah, I think there were there were people that thought he was going to move out some of those uh, some of the other players uh, with the bad contracts. I, those aren't deadline deals. Deadline de- the deadline deals he made were the expected ones. Um, JJ, I know you and Jeff collaborated on the, um, the, the grades post that we have up, uh, winging at Motown.com, in case you're <laughs> fucking, fucking new. And I don't know how you got to this podcast, in, in case you didn't, but just in case. Um, do you, you know, we've had now a day to kind of digest all the trades. Any changes to that, or are you still kind of where you were with those, uh, with those grades posted yesterday? Yeah, I'm still uh, extremely happy with the way that the the grades turned out. It was three pleasantly surprising moves, and then one that was uh, a little shocking at first. And then the more you think about it, and the more like the, the Jonathan Willis piece on Sportsnet that uh, that kind of explained why the Red Wings weren't able to get more um, was really well done. And it you know it, it laid out that uh, he was essentially one of the single most sheltered forwards in the entire league um and yeah he put up good numbers in that sheltering but really florida was one of the only teams who can kind of afford to give him that same kind of a role Uh, unfortunately he did come with um with baggage that some other guys didn't didn't have i mean he was a a one-dimensional guy he was a lot of fun to watch so but like uh like just said as as far as what we what we got it's you, know, you kind of wish he would have been able to move out like one more guy, but the thought about that is he did make a lot of he made a lot of room. He solved a bit of the the logjam. Um, he got a lot of picks in what is uh, not as strong a draft class, and that's the thing. If if he's going to move out a Tatar or a Nyquist or, or even a Shane he's going to want to get you're going to want to get higher picks for that but I, I don't think you necessarily need to going forward with the red wings they need to try out those young defensemen they've got they need to make a little bit more space for 
some kids to come up and and play on the forward lines uh, between Ott wasn't coming back, uh, Miller's not coming back. Uh, they don't have to worry about Yurko in the the pipeline anymore. On the defensive side, suddenly uh, Jensen, Woulette, and Sproul are all roster regulars. Plus, next year, you don't know about the the concept of how much uh, Cronwall and Erickson are going to play. You can potentially move Green out, so it gives you a, a lot more flexibility in order to rebuild on the team you've got right now, which is stronger than a, a reload. Because that's the problem, is that for the last number of years, Ken Holland has tried to reload the Red Wings and has, has failed. That, so what they've got going forward now is is definitely going to be more of a rebuild, but it is not, I don't think it necessarily needs to be a, a total teardown. So the steps that Ken Holland made at this trade deadline um, position them to make more good steps in the future. It's it's a good start. It's not uh, it's not fantastic because obviously we're not back in contention, which is the ultimate point. But to get there, I, I think that they've they're at least moving in the right direction. Yeah, and I mean, I think the thing that people will will forget is the Red Wings are going to lose one roster player through the expansion draft. We don't know who it's going to be. It could be Jimmy Howard. It could be a defenseman. Probably not. Um, my my gut tells me it's going to be a forward, <clears throat> but that's just that's a, a guess. Um, but there is going to be one more spot somewhere on this team that's going to open up because um, so, the expansion draft is going to help with that too. Plus, I mean, Ken Holland was actually fairly open and honest about the fact that he admitted on the radio this morning that he has a couple of, I don't know what the term, he I don't know if he called them bad contracts. I think he called them out of whack was the term he used but, but then you know kind of backtracked a little and said every team has that which i mean to me is a cop out but you know whatever um who knows what he does at the draft uh you know maybe he's able to move one of those contracts out but um you know i agree he's got 20 picks the red wings have 20 picks over the next two drafts um you can take some of those draft picks and and move up uh, which I, you know, totally agree with Prashant. I think that's probably what's going to happen because I cannot see them picking four times in one round, um, especially in the third. Um, you can get another one up into the second. You can get into the first. Great. You know, who knows? Uh, maybe flip a couple of those for the following year. You know, if you don't have a guy that's really somebody on your radar, you can kick it to 2018. Let somebody else take somebody. But uh, they've got some chances to to rebuild. I think next year is going to be interesting because we're going to see some of the some more younger guys. Here's a question: We got we have this team now going forward, and they called up Mitch Callahan to basically take odd spot because Nyquist still has one more game left on his suspension. Once he comes back, he's going in the lineup. Um, at what point do you think the Red Wings are going to really unleash the kids? And, and give them a higher role. Because today, I mean, they all everybody said they still want to win games. They're still going to try to win games. I think there's probably a mentality of they're, they're not out of it yet completely, even though the, the odds are extremely long. I'm sure there's, hey, we're, you know, a few more wins and we're right back in this thing. Do we start to see maybe a little bit of a shift in how players are deployed, players are used? Do we see that now or do we see it probably once they're mathematically eliminated? That's a tough uh, question. Uh, I was, sorry, did I, uh, 
I was just going to say, I think with respect to this question, there's one of two ways it goes. One, you showcase, turn it all over to the young kids uh, and see how it rolls. Um, And that's certainly the way I would like to see it play out. The second alternative is Ken Holland knows that he's got to move some of these contracts. And you see showcasing of guys like Nyquist and Tatar, and you see Shahan in larger roles. Um, my thought is hoping that they have a little bit more production and towards the back end of the year and they're easier to move coming off of a hot streak due to recency bias. So I think you have it go one of two ways and I'm not entirely certain which way it'll go. Yeah, I think as long as the Red Wings are not mathematically eliminated, I think it's going to take them uh, decently deep into the season before that happens. Um, what I think they're going to do is they're going to give more responsibility to, and I don't know how much more responsibility you can give to Mantha, but like Mantha, Athanasiu, uh, Larkin, Shan, um, Tatar, and Nyquist, are, they're all going to like fill in the slots trying to make up for essentially what was lost in Yurko, because, I'm not, not Yurko, Vanek, because that's basically the, the top nine spot that, that got cleared out. And then they'll kind of backfill with guys that fit the needs of the people they're backfilling. Like we previously talked about, you know, why don't you just give Martin Furk a call up and he can essentially be Ersatz Vanek. But I think that the concept of Callahan, Bertuzzi, Noshek, those kind of guys coming up um, in the interim to kind of like fill holes for injuries while everybody else gets gets kind of heavier minutes is is what they're going to do um and then once thing once things come totally off the rails uh yeah i wouldn't be surprised to see russo and and potentially even hicketts um maybe svechnikov even gets a couple of games for a cup of coffee just to just to get the kind of a taste but yeah, I think it's mostly going to be roster fill-ins while everybody else that's currently on the roster uh, just gets more to do during the, the remaining games. Yeah, I wonder um, if they will ever go the route of giving guys like Zetterberg a night off. Obviously, they've done that with Cronwell where he's not playing every game, um, you know, trying to give his knees a rest and that kind of thing. Um you know, I, I'm curious to know what they're going to do with the goalie situation when when uh, Howard comes back. Um, you know, how much is he going to end up playing? Um, you know, when you consider his injury history and his, but like he, you know, he started the year out playing really well. So, you know, where do they find the balance of um, playing him? Um, maybe they're trying to get his value up. I don't know, um, or I'm sure they would, but you know. To what you know, what degree are they gonna play him over Mrazek? Um, I I'm really interested to know like how much they'll start um, playing. Yeah, a lot of like the younger defensemen. I'd really like to see um, you know guys like Sproul and Olette getting more minutes. I um, you know there's and maybe you know play Larkin at center more that kind of thing, you know, get him on track to being an NHL center, Um, you know, just start getting them in the roles that we eventually want them to play. Um, I can totally understand their desire to want to try and get to a playoff spot. 
um, you know, they're never going to be at a point where they're just going to be like, oh yeah, we're just going to, you know, we can't make it. So we might as well just, you know, try our hardest just for the heck of it. Like they're always going to have the playoff spot in mind. But, um, you know, I, I wonder what it would be like if they had the mentality of, yeah, you know, we're, we're not going to make it. So we're just going to, you know, put Larkin at center, put Athanasiu at center, put, you know, just try a whole bunch of different stuff just to see what sticks. Um, instead of, you know, doing the crazy line blender to try and, you know, find the chemistry and win games and stuff like that. Like do it for development reasons instead of going for the wins that, you know, the more they get isn't, you know, still isn't going to make a difference in actually making the playoffs this year. Yeah, I think the only game, once mathematically eliminated, whenever that is, I think the only game that is a guarantee to be the most veteran-laden roster is is going to be the last one at the Joe. They're going to give all the vets, um, you know, a chance to play as they should. I mean, that should be the game where you're not worried about a young kid coming up and playing in the in the last game at the Joe. Um, so that'll be kind of the one game where I'll go. You know what? Play all the veterans. Let them play more. Um, just you know, give yourself a chance to win because you want to win that game, obviously. Uh, mostly because I know a lot of people are going to that game. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm kind of the same. I, I think that overall, I think Ken Holland did a pretty good job. Um, I think I was initially pretty upset at the return for Vanek uh, as, I, as I thought about it more. And as you started to see what other guys went for, you kind of realized, you know what, that's just what the market is uh, for him. So I thought he did okay. Um, I, I, I think they did what they had to do as a seller, which is a weird thing to say for the Red Wings the first time ever to be on kind of this side of it. Um, Red Wings were not the only teams to make a bunch of trades. Um, saw some interesting activity yesterday. Jerome Ginla, the old guy with the cup, is going to L.A. Um, I don't think that's going to amount to anything, but, you know, hey, good for him. Uh, at least he gets out of the, gets out of the avalanche where... I mean, that's Christ. I think the Red Wings are bad. I mean, the Avalanche have been rebuilding and used all of those high picks, and look where they are. Um, um, I don't even remember what else happened yesterday. Um, Steve Eiserman. I, I personally could go on for hours about Steve Eiserman, uh, but I won't because, you know, just it'll just end up with me just kind of just making <laughs> weird noises. Um, <laughs> the way he got out of... Valtteri Filippola's contract is just like he's a ninja. Is he a ninja? Steve Eisman is a ninja, right? Yeah, I mean he's a ninja. Yeah, because not only like he got out of the Filippola contract, he did it by once again brokering an indirect trade between rivals, which is hilarious to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean the brilliant thing about it was to get out of the contract. He only ended up giving away a seventh round pick because he got his pick back, the fourth round pick, when he dealt straight to Pittsburgh. And I'm like, like he shipped a fourth rounder to get Philly to take it, and then he got a fourth rounder back in the second part of the deal. Like that's unbelievable. He just lost a seventh, yeah. a conditional seventh. Well, not even that. Like he but, moved that fourth rounder back a year too. Yeah, I mean, like he moved into a better draft and lost a conditional seventh to get out of the Philpola contract. Like, that's unbelievable. I mean, he basically executed a buyout without having a cap hit. Yeah. And he moved Bishop, and he moved Ben Bishop, which, I mean, he had to do. Um, 
because he was going to lose Ben Bishop. He moved Ben Bishop the same way the Red Wings moved Thomas Vanek. They, he had to get an asset for him. Um, there was no way Bishop was going back. He he didn't get a huge return, but he got something back. But yeah, just watching watching that, there's just I don't know I don't know about anybody else. For me, there's just a little bit of oh man, what if, what if it had all come to fruition and but whatever. I don't I'm not going to go down that path. It's just it's mean. just too. Yeah, and he really, because let's see, looking at their cap-friendly page, they will have, under a flat cap, they'll have almost $18 million in cap space with 10 roster spots to fill. Uh, they will have to re-sign Tyler Johnson and Andre Palat, Jonathan Druin. Let's see. Yeah, that's like all of the good RFAs they've got. So, because uh, the talk had been previously that Tyler Johnson might have had to have been a, a cap casualty, and um, now it's pretty likely that that's not going to be the case anymore. So, yeah, I it's mean, really good cap management. I mean, if uh, right now the only real black mark on Iserman's career is as that is that he signed the Ryan Callahan deal. Yeah, I mean, you think about it. He moved almost twelve million dollars out yesterday in the Boyle contract, in the Bishop contract, and then in the Philpola contract, and he didn't take a bad contract back. Which is on just it's fascinating how he's able to work that. Yeah, and then they're going to get a better pick than we are. Well, I don't know. We're they're six points up on us. So they're going to get about the same level of pick as we are, and then they're going to come back next season with Stamkos healthy. So yeah, I mean you oh, got fuck Stamkos. that. Yeah. Fuck that team. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. The only other really surprising thing to me yesterday was was Arizona didn't do as much as I thought, and I think the big one was Verbata not getting traded. Cheka uh, came out and said after, uh, you know, he had a market or he had an idea of what. Verbata was worth. He didn't get any offers, and so he held on to him. I tried to put that. I tried to think about if Ken Holland said that about Thomas Vanek. I probably still would have been upset that he didn't trade him and just be like, "Why didn't you get anything?" Um, is is Phoenix holding on to Verbata? Good move for a team as low as they are. Yeah, I, I think you do that. Uh, you know, Chica said he may resign him at the end of the year. I don't. I don't necessarily think that's uh, that's in Arizona's long-term plan. I mean, I thought he had overall a very successful uh, trade deadline. And, yeah, he didn't do as much, but I also think um, he did enough to continue to clear space, continue to bring in assets, continue to bring in young prospects, continue to revamp this team. I mean, it sounds like he was willing to entertain deals for just about anybody. And, you know, if you weren't able to get something for Verbata, it's fine. I mean, 35 years, $1 million a year. You might have been able to get a pick, but he had a threshold. Yeah, I mean, it would have been nice for him to, to get something for Verbata, but I think it kind of helps set up where it's not crucial for him because they've got, they're pretty well set in a lot of other areas, and it does let him play. Like, it, it kind of establishes it down the line that, uh, that Chico will hardball. And if you're if you're going to try to call his bluff, then you know what? He, he'll show that. He doesn't lose a whole lot by by holding on to Verbata. So, 
I'm not sure another, you know, fourth or, or third or, or fifth round pick that we would he would have gotten in that deal is worth the I don't know the kind of clout that comes along with making a move like that. Um, I think that uh, the Avalanche not selling anybody but Aginla and essentially selling Aginla like as a here you're definitely not going to win a cup here, so we'll just let you go is hilarious to me. And that is like the one thing that I'd be really worried about Iserman coming back to, to lead the Red Wings, because I have to imagine that if I'm in, you know, if I'm a, a mouth breathing avalanche fan and I watch Sackick do that to my team at the deadline, that would really crush me. That would hurt me a lot. Yeah. I mean, again, right. Iserman was better than Sackick as a player. Of course he's better than Sackick as a GM. Mm-hmm. Uh, nice. I know, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't. I mean, I, I, I wasn't surprised they didn't trade Duchesne or Landeskog. I mean, those are, you know, it's kind of like the Red Wings. Those aren't trades you make at the deadline because those are going to be, those are going to be hockey trades, uh, and those guys are still guys they have term. So, you know, why would you not want to maximize what you can get? But, I mean, I don't know how many free agents they had, four or five at least, that they didn't flip any of them. Or something just is just baffling. I mean, why would you not try and and ponder? And who knows? Maybe he did, and just you know, maybe they were just saying like you're like thirty points behind the second worst team in the league. Screw you. But uh, yeah, just I mean, I yeah, if I were an Avalanche fan, I would be. I'd just be fuming right now that they didn't that they made one move that that literally could turn out to be nothing. Because if they if LA I think if it's LA doesn't win the play doesn't make the playoffs and Aginla doesn't resign in LA that pick like goes away there's nothing nothing goes back to Colorado for that I mean yeah I, I think Colorado's up there with my losers and then the other the other team that I think really lost was Ottawa I'm not really sure what they were doing uh, with overpaying for Curtis Lazar. They paid a third-round pick for Victor Stahlberg. They gave away Jonathan Dolan to get Burroughs. Yes, he scored two goals tonight, but that's probably the only two goals we'll score as a senator. Um, I don't know. They only have four draft picks for the rest of the year, or for the 2017 draft. It almost feels like they just paid a whole bunch of stuff for not a whole lot. Yeah, it's real weird to me. Like, I wish I knew how involved Melnick is in all of this process because it seems like, you know, he came out and said that uh, he told them to, to buy and and go for it. And then like the buys they did were just odd to me. I mean, I I mean, they they fit in the the concept of Ottawa is still a budget team and they didn't like really break the bank on, on any of this kind of stuff, but they did go for kind of older guys. So they didn't really get noticeably better. And, I mean, they're a decent team, but they're not a contender either. So, whatever. Spin your tires, Ottawa. <laughs> yeah, I think Ottawa will probably go as far as Craig Anderson takes them, kind of the way Hammond did a couple of years ago. I mean, they'll, they could ride some hot goaltending to get in the playoffs. And, yeah, I mean, maybe they put a scare into a team. But you know, overall, top to bottom, other than Eric Carlson, they don't have anybody that just strikes me as a as a star. I mean, Carlson's amazing, but um, I think Stone is very good. But yeah, and then Hoffman is also very good. But I mean, it, it, there's very little depth 
to that team. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw a talk. I, I don't know who it was. I don't remember where I saw it, but I saw somebody mention that they thought Bobby Ryan could be exposed, left unprotected, which is yeah. baffling. I don't know if it was just one person, but I thought the concept of Bobby Ryan on an Ottawa Senators team being left unprotected in an expansion draft, like, I don't, I don't think I could comprehend that, that that's even a thing. I don't pay attention to Ottawa, so I don't know if he's having a, a, a that bad a year or not, but... Um, that's just, just like, just wow. Yeah. Yeah, that that comes to mind as, like, the one player that you'd absolutely protect behind, like, Carlson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, it's surprising for them, but sure. But it's so Ottawa, the, so, you know. So at the end of the trade deadline day, I mean, it's it's Washington is the, the biggest winner of, of everything, right? Yeah, it's hard to argue with Shattenkirk. I mean... That's not they fair. Give up, and they didn't. I mean, they didn't give up that much. It, it really, in the grand scheme of things, for him. I mean, they gave up a first, which you knew you knew St. Louis was going to demand a first for him. So, but for Washington, with where they're likely going to finish, I mean, that's a late, late first round pick. If they, you know, everything goes to fruition, that's a that's thirty one. So, um, they the the. Um, prospect they gave up is not one of their blue chippers. Um, I think they gave up a, a second in 2018, if I remember correctly. It it wasn't that bad, and I mean they'll have, I guess they'll have the inside shot at signing him in the in the summer. I don't know if it's something that they'll be interested in. I mean, if they get a cup out of it, they could let him walk and just be like, hey, we won our cup. Don't make your millions in New, in New York, most likely. Um, thanks for everything, deuces. Yeah. yeah yeah with where they are in the the window it, buying especially at that price is the exact right move it's they probably have the be- the three best right shooting d and or I mean, at least as far as it it goes the the depth at the right shooting d that's washington is is way above everybody else there uh, they've got a really good forward crop. They've got a, a good goaltender. You might as well, I mean, y- you have to go for it. That first-round pick is not likely to be anything great. And I know, like we're talking, like Katsunik was talking earlier about how the Red Wings once traded away the first-round pick that became Mike Green. Okay, that was when they were a much better team, and it was it made sense for them to do it, although I don't really want to talk too much about the Robert Lang trade. Um <laughs> You know, didn't they, they gave up? Like, they gave up two firsts for Chelios. Uh, and those guys ended up being nobodies. So, mm-hmm. when it comes down to it, yeah, if if you're in the position Washington is in, that's that is such an easy trade to make for for that kind of a, a return, even if it ends up just being a rental. Yeah, well, I mean the, the 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 pick is only as good as the team that uses it. So, um, yeah, I mean that first round pick. That first-round pick for Washington, they pick somebody next year. It's a late first-rounder. When is that player probably going to join the Capitals? Two, three years, maybe? Four or five if, it was, if he was a Red Wing? So, <laughs> it's, I mean, their window is, is, is right now. I, they only have a couple of years left before that window is going to close. So, yeah, I mean, you can't look. And they haven't won yet which I think is probably the biggest piece of it. If they had won previously, if they're Pittsburgh, they've won a cup, 
last year. They won one a few years ago. You can afford to be a little bit more conservative if you don't, if you're not sure if you, you know, if you've got all the pieces. And if you don't want to overpay for somebody, you can hold on to that first and go, you know what? Yeah, we want, we like our team and we think we're going to do well, but we still want to build towards the future. Uh, Washington, I don't think they have that luxury. I think they have to win now. Yeah. Washington's in the same boat. Pittsburgh, I think, also did a really good job acquiring a lot of defense depth. Um, they're in that same boat where they're trying to go for the repeat. They managed to get Frankie Corrado, Mark Street, uh, Ron Hainsey. So they were able to add three, you know, bottom bottom four guys. But, you know, that's been their biggest issue with defense depth. So we'll see. I mean, Pittsburgh, Washington, it looks like. I hate the NHL playoffs for making them play in the second round. But it sure looks like that'll probably be your cup final. Um, can we, can we, I think this will be the last bit of this. Cause I mean, we spent a lot of time in the rest of the league, but can we just give a little bit of a shout out to Jim Benning and what he did in Vancouver, uh, making two really smart moves. Yeah, that was weird. Good job on him. Yeah. I wasn't really ready for that, but getting Dolan, who's very, very good, likely should have been a first round pick, um, for Burroughs is fantastic. And then. The return on Hanson's okay, so I mean, he did pretty good. No, I don't know. So, well, um, trade deadline's over. Now we get into playoff races, which the Red Wings won't be a part of, except as spoilers. So, um, we're gonna. It's. It. We're not sure what how the rest of the season's gonna go. Um, there's still that 0.5 percent chance of making the playoffs, which is about the amount of. Um, of, of my body that tells me that they can go on a run and get in there, but um, positivity corner, positivity corner time. Um, what is something you are happy about? Some let's hear some good vibes. What's what's good right now? I am unabashedly happy that the Red Wings traded away Steve Ott. I hated having the guy on my team. I hated him his entire career. He's gone and. A team gave actual value to take him away from us, and I am very happy about that. And people are angry about it yep. that aren't Montreal fans. Um, I'll throw out um, the tribute video for P.K. Subban tonight in um, Montreal. Um, that was pretty cool uh, to see him just so emotional, you know, in his return to the, his his first um team's city that was just cool and you know there's so much you can say about him as a as a person and as a player um and i and i really like the guy as as you know both on and off the ice and so it's just it's just cool to see more you know league-wide appreciation for for such a good person 100 percent agree so they started booing you midway through the game so <laughs> well, it is. It is still Montreal, so I guess you know you can't ask too much. Yeah, uh, I think for me, one, I'm pleasantly surprised, and I'm very pleased with what Ken Holland was able to do. He's got a long, long road ahead, and I don't know if he's going to be here for all of it. So I'm thankful that he at least took the correct first step in starting to get some of these contracts out and what i'm most happy for is this is finally going to clear space for 
Dylan Larkin in the top six again. I feel like he's been a forgotten player for a lot of this year, has been relegated to the third line for a lot this year, has been, you know, Athanasiu and Mantha both jumped him at times. Uh, I'm really hoping he gets to go back and play with, you know, guys that aren't Shahan and Abdelgator and see what he can do um, with more talented teammates. Yeah, boy, a, a Larkin, Athanasiu, Nielsen line. That could be something. That's going to be fun. That would be that. That's I mean, that's what I would do. I my guess is Nyquist slots in there, but that's that's not positive. So we're going to keep it. We're going to keep the good vibes going. Um, I, I think that I, my positivity is that I think we are going to see the younger players get more of a leash um, throughout the rest of this year. I mean, we're at the point where we're kind of I'm taking moral victories from things. Um, I think we've seen it recently where we're seeing Mantha and Athanasiu and Jensen and those guys playing more, playing more minutes. I think that's going to increase it even more because I think one, now that the pressure of the playoff streak is over, I believe that Jeff Blashill, who has been much maligned in certain corners of the fandom, um, is going to get back to his roots as a developmental coach, kind of what he was doing with Grand Rapids. And he is going to unleash the kids that he has. And we're going to see them either take that that next step forward and develop, or they're not going to, in which case you know what you've got. But I, based on what I've seen from, from the kids that they have in the team so far, I think you're going to see them take that next step and by the end of the year be the top performers on this team. And it's going to be, it's going to lead to some excitement for next year. I agree. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, me too. Should be fun. New building, new faces. It's going to be a good time. All right. Well, now it's time for everybody's favorite part of the show. Right? Favorite part? Reader questions? That's the one I get to talk more. So, yeah. (laughs) I hand it off to JJ, our question master. All right. Our very first comment is not a question, so we're off to a roaring start here. Uh, I'm just going to skip right over it. Begos are for champions says, why is Ken Holland so convinced that rebuilds take so long? Uh, he said today they take between 10 to 15 years because this timeline just moves all over the place. What do you think? I blame the Oilers. Yeah? Yeah, that I, makes sense. I have no idea where he's coming up with 10 to 15 years. Uh, it was 8 to 10, then it was shorter than that. Um, I feel like he's just saying numbers, um, and they're the first numbers that come to his head, um, and they don't have to necessarily be similar whatsoever. I mean, he doesn't have anybody signed for 10 to 15 years. It's an entirely different team. In 15 years, Athanasiu is 37. Like, I don't know what you're talking <laughs> about. Like, this is, we're not talking about a team here. So I, I don't know what he's coming up with, but sure, whatever, Ken. Yeah, in context, it feels like there's the the more it get the more difficult it gets for him to uh, kind of dodge or dismiss the criticisms because they get closer to to home. Uh, just the more snarky and weird he gets with his with his answers. Um, I, yeah, i I think he's got. I think he's trying to play the part of um, uh, under promise over deliver. Like he's trying to set up the idea that it would be. 10 to 15, 8 to 10 years, 10 to 15 years. And then if it's quicker, he's like, hey, we're ahead of schedule. You know, like he's he's basically like a bad salesman. Yeah. 
That makes total sense. If it, it's going to take 10 years, and if he does a rebuild in four, it's like, oh, a genius. Look at that. It's like a bad magician. Okay. <laughs> uh, Operator Z has a question for me. JJ, have you ever mistakenly eaten an avocado or guacamole? Uh, no, I've never mistakenly eaten anything. I'm pretty good at knowing what goes in my mouth. Uh, it says, what's your worst experience? <laughs> was basically the last time I ate avocado. <laughs> uh, old man hockey wants to know what uh, what's my position regarding artichokes uh, not a fan of those uh, WJR says what about Brussels sprouts I do like Brussels sprouts so I'm going to cut off and then the whole there's a shitload of comments after that that talk about fruits and veggies and, and greens that nobody gives a shit about so I'm going to skip over all that uh, and get to an actual hockey question uh, regarding the Vanek trade I asked about I asked Kyle about Vanek's past playoff performances, um, if, they, if that hurt him. Uh, I thought of another question I should have asked, but do you think Los Angeles deciding to look at other options affected what Detroit would get for Vanek since Florida seemed to be the only team that was still interested in him? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like any trade. I mean, I think it's like anything that you're trying to sell. The more people you have interested in it, the more demand you can drum up and you can raise the price. I think LA, once it got out that they were Looking at a Ginla, um, I think the market for Vanek probably dried up a little bit, and Holland took what he could get. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how many other teams ultimately inquired about Vanek. I mean, there was a whole host of rumors that potentially Columbus had inquired, Montreal had inquired, uh, Los Angeles and Florida seemed to be the big ones the night before the trade deadline. So I don't, I don't honestly know who all had inquired or what Ken told them the price was, but. Certainly losing a competitor allowed a, a team like Florida, um, who, like we know, has a heavy analytics buy-in. I'm wearing my computer boy short shirt for them today. Um, you know, I think that they were able to, to negotiate the price in the way that they wanted it to. And so it kind of fell into that market. But Ken had to take what he could get. Yeah, makes perfect sense. Anybody else got anything to add on that? No, I mean, it's pretty straightforward on what happened, I think. Yeah. Uh, Steven on NYC has a really good question. I'd like to know what the whim gurus would do to actually get rid of some of these bad contracts. Wait a Graham. Well, I guess I, some of these bad contracts, I mean, I, I personally believe that Cronwall is maybe a year away from basically being on long-term injured reserve forever because of his knee. I think his, I think his knee is to the point where they will be able to use that at any moment they want to throw him on injured reserve. And, um, you know, get the relief there. Uh, I think they're going to lose one of them in the, um, in the expansion draft. So that'll kind of get taken care of. It. Uh, honestly, I, I don't know. Because I think you've got players who they don't have any trade value of any kind. Uh, because they're either bad, like Erickson, or they're so early in their deals that I, I can't see a team wanting to take on that, that financial commitment. Um, if you you know thinking of a helm or an abdicator, um, I think you're stuck with them with with certainly with some of them, and you just kind of have to ride them out for a couple of years until I think in two years when they can when Cronwall's gone and uh, Nyquist I think will be up as well. Yeah, I think that uh, abdicator still remains decently tradable. 
I think that uh, it'd be pretty easy to get good value out of L.A. for him because uh, he seems like the Dean Lombardi player. Uh, it's possible that you could get John Tortorella to convince uh, Columbus's GM to to take a run for him. Um, you know, you'd hope that uh, that Helm just gets taken in the expansion draft. If not, you can probably find a decent suitor for him. Um, Vanek is going to be around forever, but his no-move clause expires late. Um, the ones that have the cap recapture and things like that is eventually you just you leverage a team that doesn't have a lot of money that's looking to get the cap floor. You're you should already be talking to to guys like Zetterberg and Cronwall about when the expected end of their careers are going to be, and you work it out so that why don't you just go retire in Arizona without actually retiring? Um, they'll pay you five hundred thousand dollars for a six million, or they'll pay a million dollars for a six million dollar cap hit, um, and it'll be uh, it'll be gravy, and nobody gets hurt that way. So, I'm not as worried about the bad contracts in the short run because I do think that the Red Wings will need to go through more about three years at least worth of pain, which during which time you can use your financial wherewithal and you can use your cap space as a <clears throat> as an extra benefit to to other teams so you can do what the maple leafs did and you just like when they bought nathan horton whose career was over but involved a significant financial commitment regardless uh they used their ability to spend money to to just buy him out and they got themselves out of a bad contract. So I don't believe in the, the concept of there's no such thing as a tradable con, uh, an untradable contract anymore. And in general, it's, it, it, you, you gotta be patient and just do it at the right time. I don't think that everything has to be done right. This instance in, in regards to getting rid of them, um, applicators should probably be sold first, but they, you, you, that's not going to happen. So you just do it as it comes along. Yeah. If you're, um, if you're looking at these deals that are going out another, you know, four or five, six years or whatever, um, it's certainly not something that you're going to be able to sell even, you know, even next season, you know, you have to, um, eat some of that cap hit. You have to eat some of that term, um, before any other team is going to, um, you know, not hang up on you laughing when you, when you want to try and trade these guys to them. Um, I actually I didn't really even think about um, trying to expose Helm in the expansion draft this season. I don't know if I necessar- necessarily see them doing it, but I haven't done a lot of um, I haven't spent a lot of time looking at the actual like numbers, and I have forgotten like the conditions and stuff of which players you have to protect and all that. And you know, it very well may be that he's you know almost the ideal choice to to kind of do that with, but. Um, you know, that's, that's certainly going to be an opportunity to unload one of those bad contracts. And, you know, it's might be one of those things where you, you know, the, the value of that empty cap space is, you know, going to end up being better than whatever you might get in return, like in an actual trade, like you might have to take, um, you know, bad contracts back, or you might have to give up picks that you don't necessarily want to give up to, to trade some of these guys. So, 
you know, in, in some regards it, it might be, um, you know, that's, that's definitely something we're going to have to kind of wait and see what happens. And yeah, I guess the, the older guys, long-term injured reserve for Cronwall for sure. I can see happening. Maybe Erickson. I don't know what's going on with his hip lately. Um, but then, and yeah, I don't, I still haven't figured out what I think is going to happen to Zetterberg, but I, I, I agree. I think Cronwell's maybe got a year left on him if that, um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's like you said, it was, it's definitely going to be a, um, take it as you go kind of a thing because it's, you know, it might, we might be getting this, this taste of selling off assets and, and making these decisions that are totally foreign and then, you know, collecting all these, these picks and stuff like that. Um, and it's like, oh yes, we're going the right direction. But yeah, it's you know, Rome wasn't built in the day to use the that phrase. But um, you know, it's it's just not something that we're going to accomplish right away. I think you have to have a set strategy on how to approach this. Um, it's certainly not going to be easy. But there's a couple of philosophies that the Wings could consider um, to try and escape some of these contracts. One philosophy is using your draft picks not to move up, but to be used as sweeteners to other teams to take deals. You saw Iserman do that by attaching a fourth-round pick to Filpola and then maneuvering his way back to get a fourth-round pick. Um, Filpola's contract obviously doesn't have as many years left as some of the Albatross contracts the Wings have left. But when you've got four third-round picks in a year like this year, you might be able to use those to sweeten um, someone to take a deal, um, particularly a team looking to meet the cap floor like Arizona or somebody like that. So that's one way the Wings can uh, try and maneuver out of some of these contracts. My biggest concern, though, you know, we all talked about the Wings losing a contract in the expansion draft. Uh, if we follow the way that Peter and Mike laid it out, my bet is that the player we lose is Riley Shahan. Um, and you lose just $2.1 million there, and he would have been a restricted free agent in the next year. I don't see the Wings protecting him, and I see him as being the guy that gets taken, being he's 25 years old and with not much uh, cap space, and he comes as a restricted free agent the following season. So I think he's the guy that probably gets picked up if anybody gets picked up from the Wings. And so you'll have to use your draft picks to sweeten deals. I think you approach Franz after next season when his no move becomes a modified no trade and say, hey, we're not going to be competitive anytime soon. Do you want to move from here and see if you can move him because he'll be 34 at that point and somebody might be willing to take him. Um, you use long-term injured reserve as best as you can. Um, and then, you know, at that point, you, you, you're just going to have to see what you can do. But some of these contracts are going to be exceedingly difficult. And I think... The ones that should be high priority, <clears throat> like JJ said, is Justin Abdelkader and then Danny DeKaiser at 26. I would be trying to actively shop him as well, um, given that he is a little bit younger with a shorter-ish term contract that you might be able to get something from. I wonder if the Red Wings would ever look at trading Franzen's contract the way they did, you know, the way Prongers did, or or that's. I mean, Franzen's quite obviously never going to play again. It's only a $4 million cap hit. I don't know what his actual salary is. Um, I mean, if we're talking about using long-term injured reserve as a, as, as a potential cushion or uh, a way for the Wings to kind of alleviate some of their cap problems, I mean, Franzen, as long as he's on the Red Wings, that $4 million cap hit's going to be there. 
and it's you know he's going to have to end up on long-term injured reserve through the whole year. I, I wonder if they would ever move his contract and just say, you know what, Arizona here, here's a, I don't know how many, I think he's got three, four years left. Yeah, three, his, three, three more years. years. Next year, his, his salary is $2 million, and the last two years, it's $1 million each year. So, you know, yeah, so, I mean, he's he's not going to retire, and I know people have forever, it's like, why doesn't he just retire? Because it hurts everybody. It hurts him, and it hurts the Red Wings. So he's not going to retire. Um, move his contract, um, and that that frees up, because you get 10% against the cap for long-term injuries reserve, or 10% of your cap hit. Uh, to be able to use, um, and then, like I say, I, I think Cronwall ends up there for in his last year, like his last year of his contract. I would be shocked if he plays more than twenty games because of his knee. I think he, I think he's done. Um, and then, yeah, with as Lauren said, with Erickson with his hip, I mean that's a degenerative issue from all we've heard. I mean, who knows how long he's going to be able to do it? Hopefully, fingers crossed. Uh, you know. I hate and he could just retire with no recapture, so that'd be good. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to wish a career-ending injury on the guy. I mean, he's been, you know, he's been a, a he's a good person, but I mean, he hurts the Red Wings. So I don't know. I, I you know, Franzen's contract you can you could throw in as well, but I I I think Prashanth made a good point that you throw that you throw a couple of those third-round draft picks in as as deal sweeteners. Look how Chicago got out of Bickle's contract. I mean, they had to trade a guy like Taravine and who yesterday was rumored to be potentially on the block. Um, you know, maybe the wings have to part with a prospect that they may not want to part with, but if it gets them out of a, you know, if it gets them out of a DeKaiser deal or an Abdicator deal, you know, maybe a short, you know, short-term pain, long-term gain. Yeah. Okay. Uh, moving on. Beer League Arbitration asks uh, a few really good questions. Uh, we're going to uh, short-term. How does the compensation work? If a play, if a trade causes a player to have an 83 or more game schedule, does a player get paid more for games beyond 82, or do they play those games for free? Uh, the answer to that is they play those games for free. You are not paid to play 82 games. You are paid to be, you are paid to be on the roster from July 1st to July 1st. So no matter how many games you play, you get paid the same. Uh, under the new bye week rules, what would happen if a player gets traded from a pre bye week team to a post bye week team? Do the player get some compensation for their lost week off? Um, no, I don't believe so. Uh, it's the rules of that have been like leaking out slowly, but I just think it's a deal of uh, sorry, sucks for you. And then can a team game the schedule to reduce a suspended player's time away? Uh, for example, Nyquist gets a six-game suspension, and the Wings play every other day during that time. Can the Wings just trade him to an active team on their off days and then back so that a six-game suspension is served in six days uh, and only results in three missed Wings games? Dumb, but maybe worth future considerations for some enterprising GM that doesn't mind doing a lot of paperwork. Um, technically possible, but I want to, to leave this up to anybody else who wants to explain why this would never work. I... I mean, if he gets a six-game suspension, it's it's that number of games. So, first of all, you'd have to find a team be willing to trade. You'd be willing to trade him to, and then tr- get the trade back. Which I don't. I can't see any team. I realistically, I can't see a team doing that. Um, and I mean, the amount of the amount of stuff that would be involved in trying to move that. I mean, what are you going to move it for? And and how does it? How does the trade back? Like, so if you trade Nyquist to uh, Arizona for a draft pick. Do you have to trade 
it back? I mean, once he becomes an Arizona, uh, he becomes Arizona property. What's to stop Arizona from saying, "Oh, you want Nyquist back? Fine, throw in your first, or your, you know, or this player if you want him back." Yeah, there's literally nothing to stop them from doing that, and it would be illegal to have an agreement uh, otherwise. So, I also don't see how the league itself wouldn't, you know, once they tried to trade them back, just be like, um, no, we see what you're trying to do, and it's just not going to happen. Like, that could be, a, I could see that being a case where the, the NHL actually steps in and, and does something about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the bottom line is that they they didn't have to write this specific thing into the the no no rules because the CBA does have a catch all that says literally anything you do that is designed that we can argue is designed to defeat any part of the CBA is circumvention and we're going to slap you hard for it and player suspensions are part of the CBA and it would be dead obvious what exact that you are trying to to circumvent so uh it would be interesting to see teams do it but that would never work and would run into way too many problems the very last question from beer league arbitration is how many of these things has lou lamorello already tried <laughs> and i would say all of them so uh all james wants to know would a healthy erickson have had any trade value uh, Smith got two picks. Could Erickson fetch maybe a sixth? His contract sucks, but he was consistently in the lineup and has size, which is an adjective some people think is super important. Or does that contract frighten everyone away? What do you think, Prashanth? I think that contract frightens everyone away. I mean, we see plenty of defensemen get moved that are not very good or are old. He is both and has a long contract. Um, I think if we're two years down the road and maybe he's got one year left on the deal, I think there's potentially some value if he's managed to remain in the lineup and hasn't stuck out like a sore thumb. But 33, often injured, with still four years left on the deal, and his play has been declining for the last three years, there's very little you're going to – I don't think anybody's going to express any interest in having a guy like him in the lineup. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's. I mean, he's got three years left on his deal after this year. Um, I think anybody who looks at any statistics of any kind is probably going to be like, he's not. He's not worth it. Um, that is one of those deals that a team would be taking on a bad contract, and the Red Wings would have to sweeten that pot in order to get out of it. But Jonathan Erickson, even at full health, I don't think he offers much. I mean, he was basically relegated to six defenseman duties on a bad team with a not a not a not a reputable defense core so uh his value if if ken holland could get a conditional seventh for him he would be wise to take it but that i just i can't see anybody doing it yeah uh datsuki and freak wants to know essentially did all the talk about oh Vanek loves it in Detroit, they they may want to bring him back, they may want to trade him away and then bring him back. Uh did that potentially hurt his trade value? No. I don't think so. Because I mean, how many free agents say that they like it there? I mean it's his his value was always as a rental winger. Um so 
I mean, his unless the team that traded for him had some sort of deal brokered with him, um, which I don't know how you would get around that because that would be tampering. Um, they're, they're, you know, they would know what they were trading for. They were trading for a guy who had his contract was up and he was free to sign with whoever he wanted. So I don't think I don't think that entered into anybody else's thinking. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I agree, too. OK, you didn't uh, talk much on the last question. I want to make sure that you talked. Mm-hmm. What key things would you like to see happen before training camp 2017? I'm interested in your outlook on what happens at the draft on July 1st and who could graduate from Grand Rapids to Detroit from DTD Tank. Well, that's a lot of shit to consider. Let's uh, let's go. Uh, what the the most important thing you think should happen, Prashanth? I think the most important thing that should happen is you need to move one of the Darren Helm or Gustav Nyquist contracts. Um, one of those two guys has to get moved in the offseason to continue the progress of clearing space um, on this team. Ideally, I would move Helm before I would move Nyquist, but we know Nyquist is going to have more trade value. But one of those two guys should get moved um, this offseason to try and help free up space um, because you have Tatar as a restricted free agent, Athanasio is a restricted free agent, and then the following year, Larkin and Mantha. So you need to make sure you're clearing space. Right on, Graham. Um, that's a good question. Um, really like Prashant. I, I think you need to move a defenseman out. Somebody, anybody, move Green at the draft um, because I think <clears throat> when is the the expansion draft is after the draft, right? Am I remembering no. that timing correctly, or is it before? No, it's, it's before. It's a couple days before, before? I think. Yeah. Um, I think the Red Wings, I, I think they need to move a defenseman out at the draft or at the before the expansion draft um, so that uh, because because personally, they're going to protect the Kaiser. I believe that that's going to be the case. And they're obviously going to protect Jensen because otherwise, why would you sign him? And I believe that they they should protect either uh, Ouellette or Sprawl, one of those two. And I think if you can move a defenseman out and get some value, um because I, I know, Prashanti, you mentioned um, Riley Shane as being a guy who could be picked up. I could also see Mike Green being picked up uh, in an expansion draft because he's on a one-year deal, and he would have that cap floor. And to lose to lose Mike Green for nothing would be would be killer. <clears throat> yeah, uh, Lauren. Um, yeah, I think I agree with uh, the idea of getting rid of a defenseman. Um, what defenseman is the best choice? I don't really know. Um, I think it's been made pretty clear, like which which contracts are going to be protected. Um, I know we've um, seen quotes from Ken Holland saying guys like um, you know Athanasiu and Mantha and Larkin are definitely not going to be left unprotected, despite what some people still scream about for whatever reason. Um, so. Yeah, it'll it'll be really interesting to see what they do with that. Um, I think that yeah, that's that's definitely something they need to address because whoever, it, yeah, I, I don't know the whole the whole expansion draft thing. It really just throws a wrench into what could have been a fairly straightforward off season for your first um, real like rebuilding summer. Um, I think if we 
kind of diverge away from the expansion draft aspect. Um, this is the question is bef- so before training camp, right? Yeah. Okay. So I think I'd really like to, and I don't know if the, you know, this isn't going to be something that we're, we're going to know about until, um, until we see it play out. But I, I would hope that there's a serious discussion, um, about what, you know, what this team's philosophy is going to be going forward with the young kids. Um, you know, obviously we're not going to get a statement from, you know, coach and GM about, you know, what they're going to be doing with, with all their, their kids. But, um, you know, hopefully that's that they get a very concrete plan going as well. And that, you know, that could be stuff that you start seeing even right away in, in preseason where you, um, you know, you get guys like Larkin playing center, all of, you know, the preseason games or something like that. But I think that's going to be something really important for this team is, you know, trying to designate roles and you don't want to, cause it makes me think of, um, when Babcock was like when he was in training camp and it almost seemed like he was like picking guys that fit into his predetermined roles, you know, the ones that he felt needed filling on the team. So you don't necessarily want to go that way, but um, you know, you have, you definitely have your guys that are going to be on the team for sure. And, you know, figuring out what they're going to need for the upcoming seasons um, and then finding the pieces that, fit best around them. Cause if we're really going, you know, for this rebuild, re- not even a reload, it's, you know, officially a rebuild, I think, but, you know, figuring out what pieces that we have now are going to be the best compliments for getting, um, everybody in the organization draft or developed, um, the best way we can in, in these upcoming, you know, difficult years. Yeah, I don't know. I think uh, to add to everything you all said, uh, they got to solve the goalie issue. They got to get rid of a goalie before training camp. Uh, just adds a lot of uh, a lot of space and finishes out that set, that that question. So, uh, B. Kurt wants to know: Will Hronik uh, be up with the Griffins after his OHL season is done, or is he staying down for another year in juniors? Uh, he turns twenty in November. So I don't think that he'll stay in juniors, will he? I have no idea. I don't yeah, know. If he, I don't, I don't know. think That's... he can. I don't think he can stay past. Well, he can stay as, a, as an overager. Oh, oh, okay. I don't understand juniors. I don't know why they yeah, keep him there, though. The, the, yeah, yeah. The overagers they get it's it's kind of like the AHL where they get a certain amount that they're allowed because um, it just you know prevents teams from just stacking them with twenty year olds. Sure. Um, I mean, it really depends on the player. Everything I've heard about Ronick is that he's he's having a really phenomenal season, um, and certainly recently has been playing very very well. So, um, I would probably expect that he would be with Grand Rapids next year. Um, and, you know, kind of start his professional development at this point. I, I mean, basically, if if he's doing that well in junior, what else is he going to gain? from being in juniors. Uh, and if the answer is not much, then, you know, throw him up in Grand Rapids and, and see what he can do there. Yeah. I mean, there's no reason why Ronick should really hang out 
uh, no OHL much longer. He's second among all OHL defensemen in points per game. Um, and for what it's worth, Sari Arvey's fourth. So, I mean, he's right up there. He And he's doing this as an 18-year-old, and all the other guys in the top ten are um, older than him, except for one. So, I mean, it's it's very impressive what he's doing, and he's kind of flown under the radar. I think he's a guy that um, would really benefit from moving up quickly, and I don't think the wings should sit on him. Uh, I'd like to see him up in Detroit before he is – really 21 so he, he's a good he's a good player bird tire wants to know which hand will have more goals by the end of the year callahan or shan <laughs> can, can i take after to see you uh hans landa actually did say that there's a hand in his name so uh <laughs> yeah you, you got a bunch of wrecks for that too so it's that's a great answer but no mm-hmm. uh rapid fire just Gut feeling, Callahan or Shan? Who scores more? Shan. Shan. Anybody going to say Callie? I'm I'm going to go with Hans Nicholas Cronwall. There's a Han in his name. (laughs) 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 That joke. Uh, Wingnut wanted to know if there if who gets traded in the trade window prior to the expansion draft. Uh, just as a technical question, you can technically trade players between now and the end of the season. Uh, they're just not eligible to play with their new team if you trade them. So uh, once the season is over, trades will happen. I don't know that we're going to worry about the tra- until that until after the season is actually over. Baby Larks wants to know, what will you miss the most about Steve Ott? <laughs> His fights that fired up the team to all those massive victories that they had. I, I'm really going to miss those Gordy Howe weekends. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to miss all of his fans crying over his the unfair treatment by other Red Wings fans. <laughs> I will legit miss uh, the Diggers' flowery uh, prose about him. Uh, would you put up with four more years of Ott starting for a guaranteed top five pick for the next two years? The next two years are already going to be painful enough. Why do we have to add Ott again, plus another two years after that? Yeah, I think you could legit get those things without having to guarantee Ott for the next four years. So, no. Yeah. No, no, I'm not taking Ott. Big Tex D304. Who are you all cheering for now? Uh, besides Florida to make the playoffs, obviously. Yeah, that's, yeah, Florida to make the playoffs so we get Arizona's pick. Uh, Nashville because of PK Subban and because they do not have Mike Ribeiro anymore. Um, so that's one less uh, bucket of shit that I have to worry about. And I, I want PK Subban just to do really well. Um, I've always liked him. I'm glad he's out of Montreal. Um, plus, it would also mean that Nashville would probably knock off Chicago and Chicago starting to get that, oh, look at them, here they come, kind of press about them. So fuck those assholes. No, go Nashville. <laughs> I'm still on the Caps bandwagon. Yeah, Caps and Rangers. I'm going to go with Caps in um, Nashville, actually. Yeah, he mentions uh, great players such as Ovi, Lundqvist, and Aginla. Um I'm actually rooting against Aginla to win the Cup. I, I don't care if he does. And he signed with Colorado, so fuck him. But, yeah, I, I, Caps, Rangers, fine. Uh, Nashville, I could live with. Uh, that's... That's top three for me. Uh, MD Rush shared a story from the New York Times that says Sweden is reinstating conscription. Uh, 
that apparently mandatory military service is going to happen. Alan Walsh is worried about the impact it could have on Swedish hockey players. Uh, that's a, a really complex topic for just a, a quick rapid-fire question section. But anybody want to take a stab at it? Yeah, I'll, I'll take it. So, because I looked into this a little bit earlier, the dra- the, basically the Swedish conscri- conscription draft means that they'll pick up 4,018 year olds that'll start next year. So one, not going to affect anybody that's already been drafted. Um, so there's no concerns there, but two, yeah, there's a legitimate concern. If you're picking up a 17 or 18 year old that hasn't, um, gone through the draft process yet and hasn't, and is selected or hasn't been selected. And that's certainly a risk you run. Um, I'm not sure how much they're going to follow through with this, but Certainly something to keep an eye on with the 17- and 18-year-old Swedish players. Yeah, they have to worry, wonder about uh, whether Sweden would be better served to not draft a young, hot kid who could go over to the NHL and help U.S.-Swedish relations with his hockey playing. I don't know, though. Like I, the, the David Robinson rule. I'm pretty sure that Zetterberg did his mandatory two years like i'm pretty sure i remember reading that he did his two years of service before he came to the red wings so it's not like we don't have precedent on our team yeah and it's not usually a long period of time i think like uh the the average time like when they used to have the draft like average service time was like 11 months so you're not you're not like in there forever it's just you do lose a year of development um which can be crucial for some of these guys yeah uh, Grandma Flarkin is curious if uh, any heads are going to roll when they when we miss the playoffs in the front office. It's nice to think that there would be heads rolling, but I think with the injuries and stuff that we've had this year, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure Ken Holland said something about like not having high expectations for this season. Um, you know, and that was like over the summer or whatever, but I, I almost think that they're building up enough um, protection for themselves, like preemptively that I, I really don't see too many people getting fired over the wings missing. Yeah, I completely agree. I think if you're comparing expectations to reality, like Lauren, you just said, Ken Holland said, lower your expectations for this year. The Wings did poorly. I'll continue to stand by the fact that he walks away from this team at the end of next season when his contract is up. Nobody is going to get fired over this. Yeah, I think no. that they might, if anything, shuffle the uh, the assistance. Sorry, Graham, did I interrupt? <clears throat> no, no. I, I mean, it's the the expectations were that this was going to be a they were going to be at best a playoff bubble team. Uh, they'll blame injuries. Uh, and I do believe they may lead the league in, in actual man games lost due to injury. Um, although, I mean, the argument can be made that they never really lost anybody of any of real consequence over the course of the year. Um, no, I mean, Ken Holland has one more year left on his contract after this year. I could absolutely see him at the end of next year. Um, just, I don't think Ken Holland will ever be fired formally. I think what they would do is if they ever got to a point where they thought that Ken Holland no longer should be the general manager of the Red Wings, they will allow him to either retire or 
take another position when, within the organization um, as a um, just a you know to reward him for his years of loyalty and, and, and uh, dedication to the franchise, uh, and then they'll move. I mean, who knows? You hear all the same names: Ryan Martin, Chris Draper, whoever into that role. Um, I think Blashill is going to be safe because I still think Blashill is. Um, I, I still think he's he's putting his kind of his stamp on the lineup. I know this year a lot of people have been after him. Um, I don't believe that that the a lot of the blame can be laid at Blashill's feet for where they are right now. I, I mean, he's not without blame, but I believe that he at the at the end of the day, I, I believe he was given a flawed roster, and he has done his best with what he can. And I think part of it is we got so used to having Mike Babcock, who is, I mean, one of the best coaches in the league, be able to get more out of this roster. And so when, when Blashill comes along and gets what he can, but it's not as much as what Babcock did, we, we have a natural tendency to compare the two. And I think that, uh, um, I think Blashill still need, I, I think next year is the year where I don't expect them to necessarily make the playoffs, but if they don't look competitive um, or if they really, really flounder and they, you don't see improvement in kind of certain performance-based metrics, um, at that point, that's when I I say you you start to look at maybe making a coaching change. Yeah, I don't know. I think that the uh, yeah the natural progression of the way things go is they'll let Holland go when he wants to go, which is going to be after the end of next season. And then the best thing that a GM a new GM can do to put his stamp on the team is to fire the coach. So um, Blashell will have a job as long as Holland does. Uh, Jason Hoare wants to know if we could guarantee that Holland takes a promotion or Rocket to the Sun and Stevie Y comes back to run the team, but we had to lose two of either Mantha Larkin and AA. Uh, would this be something you'd be okay with? This this is an automatic no for me. I'm, a, I'm sorry. There's no delay here. No. I don't think no. Steve Eichmann is good enough to deal with losing those guys just to bring him here. Yeah, that... No. Yeah. That's not worth it i don't think at all i don't know i mean you have to i think the only way you would entertain this is if you really think about what mantle arc and aa are going to be and if any if they're ever going to be an actual nhl superstar i still vote no but maybe like an inch more doubt in my head yeah i mean you're basically you'd be taking two steps backwards to take half a step forward i mean and then eisman's still going to have to come in and then rebuild the team and replace two of the young players that are that should be part of the the core of this team going forward. Yeah, because even if they're not superstars, they are going to be core players for the team going forward, and that is an important step in in the process is not having total garbage. Yeah. Plus, it also comes down to the concept, like we talked about the av- the Avalanche. Um, standing pat over the trade deadline, you know, watching a, you know, a childhood idol for a lot of fans, um, you know, this, this player that's so revered in this organization, you know, he's making a lot of really intelligent moves and stuff in Tampa, but that's always going to have a different lens over it when it's, you know, with his, with the team that he played his entire career with. There's, part of me that still isn't super comfortable with 
him in a GM position where I'm going to have to be mad at him for making deals, you know, that maybe we don't think are the best idea or whatever. And, you know, seeing his track record in, in Tampa now is kind of leaning more toward like, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe it's worth it because he seems to kind of know what he's doing pretty, you know, pretty consistently. Um, and I know, so at that, concern is maybe outdated by a couple seasons now, but, um, there's, you know, there is still that, that aspect of being a fan of a player on the ice versus him coming in to run, you know, to run your team. Yeah. Pastafarian 70 says probably a stupid question. Honestly, I want to say it's, it's kind of like the, why don't you put a really, really, really fat guy in goal, um, kind of question. Uh, why would management allow this team to win another game this season? Uh, we have 60 points. You know, we keep going at this rate. We could end up accidentally ending up with a ninth overall pick missing the playoffs where we really should be trying to lose as much as we can so we can get basically no worse than third or fourth um, because we're not going to fall behind Arizona and Colorado. Um you know, so why wouldn't they just like send Caro down and play Heater and Pascal or Pasquale, whatever that's Pasquale is what I heard. Pasquale, yeah, yeah. Heater <laughs> Pasquale. Uh, you know, put Zetterberg and Green in the Cabana, play Glendinning and Miller on the top line, make Mantha play the rest of the season with no stick. Um, Graham, why don't you go ahead and take the first stab at uh, at why management doesn't do that? I mean, the, the, first of all, the effect on... I mean, these are professional players. They're not going to want to lose. Um, not to mention the fact that, uh, I mean, his his or her, I don't know, Pastafarian's idea of um, bringing in a goalie, um, there are obviously waiver considerations because you have uh, Peter Mrazek who has to play. Uh, Jimmy Howard's going to come back at some point. What are you going to do? You can't carry three goalies. Um, I think the the concept of trying to lose does significantly more damage to a to a franchise and an organization overall. Even Toronto and and Buffalo and Arizona in the last few years, um, they may have iced teams that were not talented, um, didn't weren't very good. They weren't trying to lose games. They were still having players in that lineup that they wanted to be a part of future. Um, of future teams and, and be contributors at some point and learn and start to develop. And, you know, maybe it's, it's going to result in losses now, but there's long-term thinking. Um, uh, Kansanika wrote a thing about, um, and, he, and he was tweeting about this today, about um, winning culture in the locker room. And in the Red Wings, he still sees the winning culture, even if the wins haven't been there. I think the second you start to go down the path of, intentionally losing games to improve your draft position, um, you're sending a, a bad message to the players that you have on your current team, um, as well as any potential future players that may want to join your team. Yeah. The, the effect of, on the culture is, is sizable. Um, Lauren, perchance you want to add anything to that? You can't convince a team to just not try. Um, you can't. It's just not ever going to work like that. And plus, like we talked about earlier, um, with 
circumventing NHL rules and things of that nature. I do wonder intentionally tanking um, if the NHL would find a way to step in and penalize the team for some way. Uh, you know, we always say, oh, I mean, it's clear that Buffalo or Toronto is tanking, but it's not, it's not to the degree that's being suggested in this question. Yeah, I, that's that's another huge thing, and I the one of the big undiscovered parts of this is listen, we are diehard Red Wings fans. We are on, or you are listening to a, a Red Wings podcast. Um, we are constantly tracking everything for the game. We are the ones who who absolutely love the team, but the average fan. Uh, does not spend their money or their time like this and, and thinking about stuff like this. And if the team commits to honestly trying to put the bad news bears on ice out there, they're going to drive off a shitload of the casual fans that they rely on for money. And that's an awful business practice. And that's a big part of what the GM's job is, is not just, you know, putting together uh, good hypothetical hockey teams and and stuff like that. He has a lot of the human element that has to to fit together, and trying to make a bunch of players lose uh, by essentially being the owner from major league is it's to drive. It will drive off fans. It will piss everybody off. Uh, it's just it's not a good idea. So. Um, Sugar Mouse has a good question then that I'm actually going to skip because we're running a little long. Uh, it wants to talk about all the, the defensive prospects, and I think that one deserves a little bit more consideration than we've got time left. Um, some Swedish questions I don't want to answer. We talked about Iserman at length. Um, who scores more goals the rest of the season, Ott, Miller, Shane, or Glenn Denning? Shane. Got to score one, right? Yeah, let's go with Shane. I'm going to say... see him score. <laughs> I'm going to say Glenn Denning. Says no expe- empty net. I know. <laughs> and they'll all be on the back end. Uh, fetching expectations. Who wins in a fight? One horse-sized McElrath or 100 duck-sized Ots? Just throw some dried grits on the ground and you can take out all the Ots. I think it's the McElrath. I th- that's, he's already a big man and you've made him even bigger. And he could stomp out many, many of those ducks. Agreed. Yep. Simon wants to know if McElrath and Grand Rapid Griff in Grand Rapids could be of indirect benefit to the Wings. Uh, I know the Wings obviously take priority in player usage, but could McElrath have been brought in as a courtesy player for the Griffins? Say if the Wings are intending to give uh, guys like Russo enough Hicketts a look before the season, uh, but as Grand Rapid, as the Griffins are having a great season, management thinking we don't want to fuck their momentum, we really want to look at these guys. Uh, he gives them a better option for coverage than calling up a guy from the Walleyes. Might that have factored into things? I said Walleyes. I meant Walleye. Sorry. So basically, uh, the depth in Grand Rapids would allow them to essentially lose a better prospect to the Red Wings for the rest of the season. I don't know. I don't know. I also just wonder about his presence being there, blocking guys like Ronick coming in. So, you know, when 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 the OHL season wraps up and things like that. So, I don't really see it as any sort of indirect benefit. Yeah, I think the most beneficial thing about the McElrath thing is that his contract is up at the end of the season. Although we probably resign him, right? Yeah. I, I don't see why we wouldn't. That's not the MO of the office, of the front office. 
in fairness, there is still a chance. Makarath is still only 24. He could live up to that 10th overall pick position. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, various things could happen in regards to monkeys and my ass and pigs flying and hell freezing over too. Um, you know, don't count on it. Sure, why not? It's just another lottery ticket. Uh, but Peter's glove, this ties into this. Uh, where do the sentiments suddenly pop up from the last few days that the Griffins' playoff run is more important than getting guys like Russo, Nosa, Kickets, or Svechnikov into the lineup for five to eight NHL games? Who cares about a Calder Cup run? Besides, you can always send all those guys back to the AHL. Uh, plus, Mantha and Athanasio, once the NHL regular season is over, play the kids. Uh, you're, they're not sending Mantha, AA, or Larkin to Grand Rapids at all. Nope. You, you don't do that at this yep. point. They are... No. They're guaranteed, but as far as the the why why do we care about the Griffins playoff run thing? That's a good question. So I'll let uh, I'll let you guys run with that. Uh, I mean, we don't, but the the Griffins players do. I mean, they're you know as we talked about earlier, they're, they're professional hockey players. They want to win championships. I mean, it's a it's a a Calder Cup to a, a nineteen or twenty year old guy is I mean, it's kind of a big deal. So. Uh, not to mention the fact that it, you know, if you pref- look hockey, the, the brain trust in hockey circles still will always love the people who come up big in playoffs. And if you are a guy who is 21, 22 years old, maybe a, a, a Macarith guy, um, and you perform well in a playoff run, be it at the NHL level, the AHL level, even at the ECHL level, um, Hockey executives will take notice of that because they like that clutch, you know, you perform when it counts kind of kind of mentality. So, um, you know, for some of these guys, they see the playoffs as an opportunity for them to uh, potentially earn a spot or a call up in the future uh, to the NHL. So, you know, don't discount what this means to the players. Yes, they'll probably want to get a shot at the NHL. But if it's I mean, there are guys that. If you're going to play two games at the NHL level because the you know the Red Wings are out of it uh, versus uh, going on a Calder Cup run and winning a championship, um, the, the the two games will be great, and that's what they want to get to. All these guys want to aspire to be in the NHL, but um, you know they're not just they're not shitting all over the idea of winning a championship. I think that uh, that wraps it up pretty neatly, Lauren or Prashanti. Anything to add to that? No, I think Graham. Nailed it. Yeah, I, I just don't see why you'd want to take the opportunity for a championship away from your young guys. I mean, you saw um, players like Tatar and Nyquist really blossom in 2013 when they won the Cup. Um, I mean, there were some other players on that team, you know, that had pretty good runs and they never, you know, made it to um, the wings or they weren't quite in Grand Rapids, you know, playing consistently at that time anyway, because that was the year that um, guys like Sproul and Willette were were black aces for the Griffins. Um, but, you know, that's that's such a, um, a team building and team bonding, you know, experience for these guys to go to or go through rather um, that I, I, you know, if if you already know that your parent team isn't going to be, you know, making the playoffs. I don't, I don't know why you would, wouldn't at least want to see your, your young guys try and, you know, they looks like they have another pretty good chance to, to make some noise this year. So I say, 
you know, let them go for it. Yeah, I mean, if it's going to help their um, their development to, to come up and get a cup of coffee, then then they probably should. I don't know if all of them need to. I don't know if you need to make the the rotation that aggressive. Um, but I wouldn't specifically just say totally forget about the Griffins because part of being that that hopefully championship run for the Griffins is a big part of their development as well. So, yeah, I, 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 I think that you guys nailed it, basically. Um, and the very last question, I'm actually going to jump back up because WJR asked a, a good Swedish question. Uh, how much longer until we start seeing homes from 2.0? That'd be Axel, the oft-injured Swede. I'm trying to remember if this year was supposed to be his last over in Sweden, and I'm totally blanking on any reports that I've seen because I actually haven't seen updates from about him in a while. Um, I'll probably try and go looking for some now that I'm thinking about it. Um, but I would think that you know it might be one of those things where he could come over when his season is done this year. Um, you know, maybe play some games with the Griffins um, and then try and get him playing in Grand Rapids like you like we did with um, guys like Polkinen and Yarncruck. Um, well, I think uh, like Almquist, we did that as well, I'm pretty sure. Um, you know, start that, that going, get him some North American experience, and then um, hopefully get him playing in Grand Rapids full-time next year. Yeah, because he was... They had actually talked about bringing him over last year prior to a knee injury, so um, I think that makes sense. All right, well, that finishes off for reader questions. Um, Graham, you want to take us out of here? Yeah, so uh, week ahead, we got uh, Calgary and... Um, fuck's the other Canadian team? Edmonton. Shit, should have <laughs> that. Connor McDavid. Um, and then I think they continue their road trip. Do they not? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know their uh, schedule Toronto anymore. And Toronto and Boston, I think. Oh, nice. Boston, we so, have Wednesday night rivalry next week. Mm, I think. Is that right? Quite the rivalry. Um, let's see. We will probably... So we're looking at four games probably before we get back together here. Um, Calgary and Edmonton, you know, who knows? Maybe they can get a perfect Canadian, Western Canadian road trip. Uh, with Toronto and Boston... Wings are basically playing spoiler. Uh, predictions on the next four games. Shant, how do they do? Uh, one, two, and one. All right. Lauren? Um, gosh, I'm normally the optimist of the group, but I feel like I'm leaning toward one, three, and zero. And that makes me sad to say it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. JJ? Uh, two, one, and one, and Taka making the playoffs uh, comes back up. I think it's going to be an even two for two, two and two. Um, but they're going to they're going to they're going to sweep Western Canada and then you know come back and just you know it'll be back to normal against Atlantic teams. Uh, that is pretty much it. Does anybody else have any? What does Jeff always say? Any ho- any Red Wing or hockey related thoughts to send us out? Nah, nah, nah. All right. Well, the nays have it. Uh, on behalf of myself, JJ, Prashanth, and Lauren, this is Winging It Motown Radio. Go Red Wings. Yeah.